And our gospel reading is taken from uh, the gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 2, beginning, beginning at the verse 15. And that's on page 970 of the, the church Bibles. So hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Let us pray. This is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, just as the angels praised your name, so we praise and glorify your name this day. Amen. Well, Christmas is over. I wonder how many school or church nativity plays didn't go entirely according to plan. Let me tell you about one that didn't a few years ago. Everything was fine until the angel of the Lord appeared on stage to address the shepherds as they sat on the ground around the makeshift fire. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that is for everyone throughout the whole world, shouted the angel in perfect angelic fashion. At that very moment, one of the shepherds said in a loud whisper, Shined, I can see your pink knickers. <laughs> Shined takes no notice and continues. A saviour has been born this night in Bethlehem. He is Christ the Lord. Another interruption, this time by all the shepherds. Shined, we can see your pink knickers. Well, at that moment, Shined attempts to adjust her angel costume, looks down at the shepherds, forgets she's an angel, and says to them, Shut your gobs! <laughs> before continuing in her angelic voice. This is what you are to look for, a baby wrapped in a blanket 
and lying in a manger. Well, disregard the lines not in the script, and you have a summary of what verses 8 to 14 of Luke chapter 2 actually tell us. Apart from the fact, of course, that having said what the angel of the Lord came to say, a host of angels appear, all singing and praising God. My task this morning is to unwrap this story within the story of the birth of Jesus. Well, since I've mentioned the angels, let me begin with them. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 11, and Luke chapter 2, verse 9, both mention an angel of the Lord. But in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it gives the angel a name, the name of Gabriel. We, are, we assume that they are one and the same, but they may or may not have been. They were, however, sent by God and instructed what to say. Coming from heaven, they would have been aware of everything going on there. They would know about God's plan to save the world and the reason for it. No wonder they praised God. They knew that all was not lost. They knew exactly who Jesus was and the part he would play in the fulfillment of God's plan. So it is that we find the angels playing a prominent part, not only in the Christmas story, but also in the leading up to the crucifixion, in the Easter story, in the life of the early church, as well as from beginning to end in the book of Revelation. What's more, they knew exactly why and how to praise God. They did it all the time. Before the shepherds, the angels were merely introducing them to something they continually do in heaven. And of course, what God wants us to do here on earth, to be constantly praising him and thanking him. And hopefully you can look back over 2017 and thank God for many, many, many things. The words of the angel of the Lord and the actions of the heavenly host had an immediate and profound effect on the shepherds. Astounded, by what they have heard and seen, they make a quick decision and head for Bethlehem as fast as they can. They want to see for themselves what God has revealed to them through the angels. Having visited Bethlehem myself, I can tell you that the terrain around is hilly and rough. It is, up the uh, hills around are up to 2,600 feet above the level of the Mediterranean. 
At no time of the year is there an abundance of grass on which sheep and other animals can graze. And the little town of Bethlehem is tucked away in the hills, about six and a half miles south of Jerusalem, about the same distance Whitstable is from Canterbury or Herne Bay. Now, I mention those geographical facts for two reasons. One, to show you that there is the possibility the shepherds traveling had to travel several miles over rough ground in the middle of the night to get to Bethlehem to see a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Secondly, in order to do that, it's possible that shepherds had to leave a flock of very valuable sheep. Let me explain. Because of the proximity of Bethlehem to Jerusalem, it is likely that these were sheep being raised to later be sacrificed at the temple in Jerusalem as part of normal daily Jewish worship. Valuable because they had to be without blemish. The shepherds were told by the angel that the baby lying in the manger was Christ the Lord. What they were not told was that 30 years later, that baby would be heralded as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In his letter to the Romans, Paul states, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. In the message, Eugene Peterson puts it like this, out of sheer generosity, God put us in right standing with himself, a pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us where he always wanted us to be. And he did it by means of Jesus Christ. God sacrificed Jesus on the altar of the world to clear that world of sin. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10 reminds us that we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And in verse 14 says, by one sacrifice, God has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. St. John, in his first letter, writing about Jesus Christ, the righteous one, says of him, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. And later in the same letter, John writes, this is love, not that we love God, but that, we, that he loved us and sent his own son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. My friends, that's the gospel. That's the good news there never can be a better Christmas or New Year present. 
The sacrificing of animals, particularly sheep, went on for many years at the temple in Jerusalem after the death and resurrection of Jesus. But I like to think that the shepherds who visited Jesus on the night of his birth continued to glorify and praise God for the rest of their lives. Hopefully in the years that followed that holy night, the shepherds learned more and more about the identity of the baby in the manger and lived long enough to understand the significance of the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the ascension of that same Jesus, even though some years later, still, they would have to raise, uh, they, they would no longer have to raise their sheep, or rather, they would have to raise their sheep for other purposes, or be out of a job. But let us return to what we know for certain about the shepherds. Their faith is what the angel told them, in, the, in what the angel told them, was rewarded. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. They were so impressed, first by what they heard and saw that night whilst caring for the sheep, and secondly, and more importantly, by what they found when they visited the manger in Bethlehem. They just couldn't stop talking about it. They spread the word. They left bursting with excitement as they shared their news, as they shared their experience. And we're told all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But who are the them? The residents and visitors in Bethlehem? Anyone they met along the way as they went back to their sheep on the hills? I have a hunch they just didn't stop talking about it for months and months and months afterwards, even years and years afterwards, that even perhaps a certain Dr. Luke heard the story firsthand from them. Perhaps even the sheep began to wonder what all the excitement was about. Let's recap. The shepherds knew a saviour had been born. They knew him to be Christ the Lord. They were told where they would find the baby. And on the basis of those three facts, they stepped out in faith and in the middle of the night visited Bethlehem, and everything they had been told they found to be true. But my friends, just think how much more you and I know about Jesus, about his birth, about his ministry, about his death, 
about his resurrection, about his ascension, uh, and much, much more. Yet, on a scale of 1 to 10, where does our enthusiasm come for sharing what we know about Jesus compared with that of the shepherds. By the way, if you are concerned about who looked after the sheep while the shepherds popped into Bethlehem, I have a hunch about that too. I think it's simple. I think God did with the help, maybe, of an angel or two. I can imagine the shepherds having a a, a brief discussion about which of them should stay behind and look after the sheep, but then reasoning that since God had gone to so much trouble to inform them about the birth of his son and prompting them to go and see the baby for themselves, that he had also made provision for the safety and the protection of the sheep. After all, the shepherds were only going to be away a few hours, but they were going on God's business. Well, what do you think? Mary, the mother of Jesus, our gospel reading told us this morning, treasured up all these things in her heart. But what things? I suggest that the arrival and the story of the shepherds simply confirmed and dovetailed into her own experience of the workings of God, particularly relating to hers and the shepherd's visit of the angel of the Lord. If she needed any kind of assurance that all that she had heard and seen was of God, here was that assurance. Apart from the nativity narratives to the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, we know little about the development of Mary's faith. But there are two verses which give us a clue. In the account of the wedding in Cana of Galilee, in John's Gospel, we learn that they ran out of wine. And Mary, hearing about the problem, tells Jesus, And also, she tells the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. A wonderful example of her faith. Then in Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, we read of Mary, other women, and 11 of Christ's original disciples, all joining together constantly in prayer. Put those verses together and they show us that Mary's faith was supported by her prayer life. Surely 
a reminder and lesson for all of us. Our Gospel reading this morning concluded by informing us that eight days after his birth and according to Jewish custom, Jesus was officially named and circumcised. What's the significance of that? The first drop of redeeming blood was shed. The first drop of redeeming blood was shed. At that moment, Mary would have little idea what the baby she held in her arms would eventually go through to complete that process of redemption. Unwrapping the story was my brief. For nearly 60 years now, I have discovered there is always more and more unwrapping to do. And so as we all enter the year 2018, let's all do so with a determination to unwrap more and more of God's Word, God's story, a story which affects all our lives, not only here and now, but for eternity. We need to do this to enable our faith to go on growing. But like Mary, let us make sure our faith is coupled with constant prayer. And we have the opportunity to start doing that, certainly in a few days' time here in this church. And so, my friends, a very happy and Holy Spirit-filled year to you all.